I have been waiting six years on God's timing to do this short series on healing from broken relationships. What happens when things in life don't go the way we want them or plan for them to or think that they should? Today we're talking about healing from a broken relationship that's caused by death. Next week we're going to talk about what happens when the relationship breaks because of divorce or other people or sin or churches, friends, parents. And what I guess I I never can quite get prepared for is one of the things that a church does for each other. As pastors, we get to be on the front line of it, but you know, you're, you're right there with us is that we get to partner, we get to walk through incredible grief with each other. And so I'm going to apologize right at the, off the top if uh, at any point this one gets emotional for me because it's not about me, but you have welcomed me into some tremendously deep pain. So for you and what you're going through, I'm sorry, and from me, I say thank you. So what do we do when a relationship is broken, when we didn't do anything wrong, no fault or action of our own, when the relationship is broken not because of sin or anger or jealousy or pettiness or any one of a million other things that can break a relationship, but it's broken in the most final, what feels like the most final and painful way of all, death. Now in fairness, I will tell you, I don't know this subject as well personally as many of you do. I've not experienced the kind of loss that some of you have. And I say that from the beginning because it is my intention to bring hope, not more hurt. For some of you, you have experienced a loss that is so deep that death has become your constant companion. For that I'm sorry, but I don't understand. That being said, it is important, I think, to draw at least one distinction in this conversation, and that is this. There is a difference, in all fairness, between a timely passing and an untimely passing. We make up it on on our own what that is and what it means, but there is a distinction because all death is not the same. Not that there is any death that is easy, not that there is any death that doesn't have pain or a feeling of loss, but there is something especially painful about the sting of death when it comes to someone who has not had the opportunity to live out the fullness of their life. Simply put, it's especially painful when someone dies young. It might be at four months, it might be at 60 years, but it's too young to whoever it is that feels the pain. It's too soon, and it hurts. And no one gets to tell us what too young is. The fact is, it leaves us with a lot more questions than if someone who has lived a full life of 91 years passes. We ask more questions. The pain is different. The loss is deeper. There's a few things in life then that all of us share in common, and one of those is that more than likely, at the very least most of us are going to experience some sort of catastrophic, life-changing loss. It will be a most painful one. The the death and who it is will vary by everyone who is involved. It could be a spouse, a parent, a friend, even a child. Whatever your specific loss is, the odds are very good that all of us at some point or another in life 
are going to experience that. How do I know it? Because death is an inevitable part of life. It isn't a matter of if we experience loss. It is when, and more importantly, how do we face it? How do we deal with loss? Who do we become through loss? What does it do to our faith? It's an easy and a not particularly helpful thing to say that death is a part of living. And while that is true, there's nothing easy when someone we love dies. That relationship is broken in a way that there is just simply no replacing it. There's no filling that hole in our heart when they're gone. Just as every relationship that we have is unique and different, every loss, every death is unique and different to the people who are mourning, and all death is not the same. Sure, we talk about there are good deaths and there are bad deaths, but the fact of the matter is they're all death, and they're not the same. Death is the most difficult loss because on that day, in that moment, and that moment may come at any time, that you need your loved one close, the day that you need them more than ever, the day that you need to hold them, the day that you need to hear them. Death prevents you because it separates you in a way that nothing else in life does. Death prevents them from being present for you. At that point, it isn't about sin. It isn't about circumstance. It isn't about anything at all but grief. Raw, open, exposed grief. But you know, in the way that God works in our world, it is in those moments where we feel the most exposed, the most alone, that God uses that as an open door to healing. How? Because the only one who can truly be there in the midst of every one of those broken-hearted moments is Jesus. It's the one relationship that will never go away. It's the one that you never have to fear ending. Jesus is not going to leave you. Jesus truly understands. There's a great example in the Gospel of John where these two sisters, Mary and Martha, reach out to Jesus because their brother, a dear friend of Jesus named Lazarus, is sick. And they get frustrated because Jesus doesn't hurry. He doesn't seem to be in any hurry at all. And while they're waiting for Him to arrive, to travel the short distance to get to Him, Lazarus dies. We pick it up in John 11, and on a note that we're going to cover a lot of Bible today because the fact of the matter is what I have to say to you is of very little value, but what God has to say to you is of eternal value. And so if you are one who wants to work through the verses, it might be easier to just write them down and go get them later because we're going to be flipping through a lot of your Bible today. John 11, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet and saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping. He was deeply moved in His spirit, and He was greatly troubled. And He said, Where have You laid Him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how they loved Him? Jesus has a big picture view of death, which means He has a big picture view of life. He wasn't weeping because Lazarus had died. He was weeping because He felt the heartbroken pain and the loss of His sisters. Then in His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us what we've come to know as the Beatitudes. There's this surprising list of things that we feel and experience in God's view of them. And in Matthew 5, 4, it says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know what I find interesting about that verse? It, it doesn't say blessed are those who might mourn or who may mourn or if you happen to find yourself in mourning. It says pretty clearly that we're all going to mourn. See, but there's also good news in that verse because it says in that mourning we can be comforted by Jesus. And <laughs> now a word of warning. It is really important that you're careful about where you find your comfort from. See, when we're in the midst of our grief, people want to help. Whether it's in the first few days or in the first ten years of grief, people will attempt to comfort you in the best way that they know how. And very often, not always, but very often, they are going to give you miserable words, to say the least. Instead of comfort, they just bring brand new pain. Twenty years of being a pastor and walking through life with people who are dealing with death, I've learned a few things, and one of those is that well-intentioned people, even well-intentioned Christians, say really, really hurtful things. Not because they mean to. They mean to bring words of comfort and peace. But oftentimes what comes out are some of the most horrific and painful things I've ever heard spoken out loud. Let's talk about it for a moment. First of all, someone may say to you, well, it's been so long, you should be feeling better soon. There's no time limit to your grief. Nobody, nobody gets to tell you how fast or how well you should be healing or give you a report card about how you're doing. Don't let anyone tell you that because they think it's been however long you should be feeling better. No, your grief is your own and so is your time frame for that grief. Well-intentioned, thank you, but tune that one out. People are going to say ridiculous things in an attempt to ease your suffering. <laughs> their intentions may be good, but their effectiveness and their biblical truthfulness can be way off. You've heard them. Maybe you've tried to comfort someone with them. For example, God needed your loved one in heaven. No. God can love them really well right here on earth. Maybe you've heard something like, uh, God needed another angel. No, the Bible actually says we're going to be greater than angels. God didn't need another angel. God can love them right here on earth. And no, despite what everyone seems to think, it is not just the good who die young. We hear them a lot. None of them help. I was recently at the funeral of a four-month-old. And the pastor absolutely did a fantastic job reminding the parents and grandparents that it was not God who willed or wanted your child or loved one to die. He, he is not the one who wanted your little baby in heaven. And is isn't God's plan. Life ends, that's true, but if we take the Scriptures as a whole, God created us in love. He created us to be loved first by Him and then by others, to come to know Jesus in a personal way so that we are saved by Him and then live for eternity with our Creator God in heaven. And anything other than that, anything that strays from that simple plan is really contrary to God's will for how it is that our lives would go. The goal of our life from God's perspective is eternal life with Him. And that begins with the free gift of salvation in Jesus. It's why it's more important that you hear what God has to say this morning than anything I might have to say. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, 
nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Tells me that we've got hope. That we haven't seen, we've never heard, we can't imagine, we don't know, we can't even begin to comprehend what God has prepared for us. This life, this life on earth is not the end of us. This very short earthly beginning is only the start of our real life. What we were truly created for is all of eternity in heaven with God. And God sees all of life. Each and every life from a divine point of view. We see life and death from the only point of view that we know. And that's our mortal one. It begins with our our birth and it ends with our death. And it's real hard to understand anything outside of that because it feels so final. But God gives us glimpses of His view in the Bible. And in those glimpses, what we see is hope. Hope that carries on even into and through the pain of death. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So part of our hope is that God really does understand. God really is ever-present. And then God uses our suffering, our grief, and as He carries us through that to help other people deal with what they're going through. Your suffering isn't just for you. Your suffering is something that God can use to help give someone else hope. And one of the problems that we have, another one of those sayings that comes out all too often, is people who say, I understand. No, they don't. Unless they've been through exactly what you've been through, they don't have a clue. Most death I don't understand. I can empathize with. But I don't understand. Not yet. And when people say that they understand, you just need to know they mean well, but they really don't. So how in the world then does God carry us through that suffering so that we can help someone else? In Ezekiel 36, God says this, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit that I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, what happens is God transforms us through Jesus from the inside out, even broken hearts. God takes what feels like the end of a road And in time and through His Holy Spirit begins to mend even the most broken of hearts. And in all honesty, it's easy to grow a hardened heart over the loss of someone dear. It's even easy to go angry with God. It's only normal that in our grief we get angry. Sometimes at the situation. Sometimes at the people that caused our loss. Sometimes we even get angry with God. And you know what? You need to know that's okay because Jesus cried out from the cross and this is a paraphrase to help it be more understood easily but one of the last things Jesus said is God why have you abandoned me Jesus is feeling all alone nobody he's thinking understands him and in our grief you may have asked the same question God why did you abandon me that doesn't offend God And God doesn't return with His own anger. Rather, God is weeping with you. God understands. Now, you heard me write about that. God weeps with you. 
He doesn't fear your anger. He doesn't fear your questions. But He weeps with you. It's easy to feel like there's nobody in the world that understands where you are or what you feel. People, no matter how intentioned, are going to say things that hurt more than they help. But if you've lost someone dear to you, especially if you are living in that horribly unique pain of having lost a child, there is one who truly does understand. See, I know that because God watched His only Son die. God knows what it feels like to experience the death of a child. That isn't something that's in the Bible that's a story to make people feel better. It is truth. It happened. God understands and He knows your loss. 1 Corinthians 15:26 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is not meant to be our friend. Death is the enemy. And the enemy of God has been defeated by the death and the resurrection of God's only Son. God understands your pain, your grief, your loss. But He used it to your good. See, Joshua in the Old Testament knows a lot about facing what felt like overwhelming enemies. In the book of Joshua, God appoints Joshua to lead the Israelites into the Promised Land after Moses has died. And the people are in a little bit of turmoil because they didn't know what to do after Moses. It seemed like too much for Joshua to handle. He, he didn't know what to do. He's willing to be obedient, but it seems absolutely overwhelming. The obstacle of a foreign army and taking over a land that isn't yet theirs. And it seems too much, and God assures him, if only Joshua will help the people remain faithful to God, that God will leave them and they will receive the promise that God has for them. There's a phrase that keeps getting repeated over and over and over, and it's a good one to remember when you're feeling like you're facing overwhelming emotions of death and grief. Joshua 1.9, God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. It doesn't say be tough. It doesn't say hide your tears. It doesn't say pretend that it isn't real or put on a smiley face. It says be strong and courageous. Not because you're tough. Be strong and courageous because God is with you. Speaking of being with you, one of the things that you're going to learn in your grief journey is that there are a small handful of real friends that you will have. The small handful of people who journey through you and through with you on your grief. They're the ones that are going to help you carry it. They're going to shoulder your loss with you much the same way Jesus did when He was called by Mary and Martha to see their brother. See, Jesus, in that example, didn't offer any quick words. He didn't offer any quick sayings. He offered His heart. And He asked where they'd laid Him. And then he wept. So you're going to have a small group of friends. And they're going to do like what Jesus did. They're going to listen without speaking. They're going to love without judging. They're going to ask without expecting. And they're going to walk beside you without trying to hurry your grief along or tell you that it's time to get over it. Because the truth is, the pain of your loss may never go away. The hopelessness, the emptiness, the questions of 
Why? What could I have done differently? Why them? Why not someone else? You know, some of those just have no earthly answers and remedies. But you know what? They can give way to the promises that we have as believers in Jesus. That one day, He may be reunited with those loved ones. We'll hold them again. We'll hear their voices. Once again, we will know them and they will know us. It says in Revelation 21.4, He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, the pain of loss, the pain inflicted on us by the enemy of God. See, the enemy of life is death. That pain one day is going to pass away. It may not go away at all while you're here on earth. But we've got that hope. We've got that promise of God that our tears will be wiped away and death shall be no more. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. In heaven... Those are the things of this life that will simply pass away and we won't know them anymore. And it will make room for heavenly reunions and eternal joy. 1 Corinthians 13:12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. See, one of time, one day this is all going to pass away. And all of it that we see right now through tear-filled eyes as though looking through a foggy mirror trying to get a picture of ourselves is going to become as clear as it can possibly be. Grief will turn to laughter and tears will turn to dancing because you get over it? No. Because that's the promise of God. Can there possibly be true comfort in the death of a loved one? Is there any way that there can be healing in the death of a child? The only way that we can get to an answer of yes is that God and God alone can heal your heart and make it well again. That may well mean the pain doesn't disappear. It means that the hope that we have in the promises of God are bigger than the pain that we feel. It means in this life, amidst the grief, we also walk in the hope and the promise of the joy of heaven. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. The reason... Because the Lord your God, who knows your pain, who shares your grief, who loves you and your lost loved one, is with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say anything about how quickly you heal or how fast you get over it. What matters is that God is with you. And unfortunately, the only way to heaven is to pass through death. 1 Corinthians 15 says it like this, For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Losing loved ones isn't easy. It isn't supposed to be. See, but there is hope in the shadow of the cross. There's a promise from the promise keeper that says this life is not the end. And in order for us to take on immortality, we must leave behind mortality. In order to inherit our heavenly home, we must leave our earthly home and the people with it. And when we do that, whether at an age that's been filled with the fullness of life, We're at an age that is far too young to have to let go. We know that Christ's death on the cross 
defeated our enemy death once and for all. And the unspeakable pain of death can be swallowed up in the victory of eternity. But here's the thing. This is a message for people who believe. This is a message of hope and promise for people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. Do you know, depending on the statistic or the study that you read, somewhere between about 60% and somewhere in the mid-80s, so let's say 60 to 85% of the people in this area do not know Jesus as their personal Savior. Do you know that the national average in most places is 40%? That means that the vast majority of people that you interact with every single day don't have the promise, don't have the hope in their heart that you do. What it means is that they're dealing with death and loss all by themselves. And our mission, our call as a church, is to use this place as a base to reach out with the good news of the hope that we have in Jesus. It's who we are, and it's why we're here. Maybe, maybe what God will do with you is to use your loss, your grief, your suffering to live out those words in the New Testament where you will be the one who comforts someone else. But maybe what you get to do, rather than easy phrases and quick words, you get to share with them the love of Jesus and about how this life is only the beginning of the life that we were really created for. The reason that we don't stray from the Bible around here is because on our own there's nowhere else to go. The only real hope, the only real promise can be found there. And you are surrounded with people, whether you are in the midst of your grief or not. You are surrounded with people who do not have the hope that you have. What is it that we ask you to do here on a Sunday morning? Learn, know, believe and take it out there and share it with someone. See, the really sad thing, the really scary thing is that there is a world full of people who are dying outside of the love of Jesus. You may be the only one that gets to share with them who He is and what He means to you. Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, our Creator and our Redeemer, there are Oh, there are times when we don't know what to say or how to pray. And the death of a loved one is one of those times. Words feel cheap and comfort and healing seem impossible. Here's one of those times now when we contemplate loss as we've experienced it and we come to You, the author and giver of life. Not only have You given each of us our life, but You also understand the pain of death and so our trust is in You. Our comfort is in You. You know the loss, the pain, the grief of each one of us here today. Some of us may keep it very quietly tucked inside. Some of us may wear it on our shirt sleeves. But God, all of that grief is very real. In the presence of Your Holy Spirit today, God, bring comfort and peace to those who are mourning. A drying of the tears, as Your Word says. Your Word, God, tells us of Your love for Your Son, our Savior Jesus. It also tells us of His suffering and death on the cross, which was Your suffering. But God, also You tell us of the empty tomb and how it is that He was raised to a new life. And You promise, God, 
You promised that because your son lives, we'll live too. Help us, God, wherever we are in this journey, to put our trust in you. Help us to allow you to work healing in our hearts and in our minds. Bring us comfort and peace, not hope in ourselves, but in you and in your promises. Thank you that we can trust in you because you understand the pain of death. We give you thanks for your son Jesus because it is through him that we need not fear the power of our enemy death. And God, lastly, we pray for each person here today who knows personally the pain of loss, the pain of death. God, we ask that you would bring them a comfort and a peace that can only come from you through your Holy Spirit. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We've got a prayer ministry here and they would love the opportunity to pray with and for you and usually we say that's available after the service you know maybe you don't want to wait that long if you don't there's going to be people in the back corners and they would love the opportunity to pray with you to talk with you to walk through whatever you're going through with you Uh, i would invite you to stand now when we are going to receive our morning's gifts tithes and offerings well next week it's not going to be any easier i'll tell you that We're going to talk about healing from wounds inflicted by people who are supposed to love us and protect us. But before you go, a couple things I'd love you to pray about, if you would. Death and the loss of loved ones touches every single one of us differently, but none of us are immune. That thing that keeps coming back to me is that roughly three-fourths of the people that live in this area don't know Jesus. Don't know Him. Don't understand why it is that you would take time out of a perfectly nice Sunday morning to come to church. They have no relationship with Jesus as their Savior and their hope. Which means they have no hope in the face of loss. You may be the one to share the truth that they need. You may be the one who shares the only real hope that they have. The Open Door Christian Church exists to preach the message of hope, the message of salvation and personal transformation through Jesus to the people of this area. And we've been blessed recently with this incredible campus to be our mission central. What you're going to hear and we're going to ask you to pray about is we're going to try to make a push before the year is off to pay off phase one and go to work on phase two before the end of the year. And it really isn't something that's about money, although that's part of it, of course. Pray for the people. Pray for the people that God has called us to reach for the eternities that God has called us to be a part of changing in this area and how it is that God might be calling you to reach them with the good news of Jesus. Pray about how God might be calling you to help us retire phase one so we can step into the next chapter of the more that God has for us. Because what we're here for is to live out our call to make disciples who bring the light of Jesus into the world that is blinded by grief. And God uses each and every one of us to do that. Folks, thanks for coming this morning. We've got a service at 6.30 Wednesday, 8.30 and 10.30 next Sunday. We've got prayer ministers in all four corners. They'd love the opportunity to pray with you and to pray for you. One more song to send you out on the Sunday morning. Thanks for being here.